Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. If you have a copy of the scriptures, open it to Ephesians chapter 5. We are continuing our series entitled True Identity. Thank you, John. He just hopped over that caution line with no caution whatsoever. That was great. Um, And this morning, what we're going to be doing, I'm going to be talking about taking the trash out, time and relativity, uh, alcohol content in wine, and karaoke. Okay, give you a little roadmap. But first, let's start off and read. We're going to read chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to jump down to verses 15 as we're going to kind of continue the context of this. Chapter 5, Ephesians, verse 1, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, I love the message translation. I want to read those two verses to you in the message. It says, watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you, keep company with him, and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. And I like how it ends. Love like that, right? Okay, so there you go. Just love like that. You all got it? You all good? Okay, that, that's great. Now jump down with me to verse 15. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, But understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Did any of you grow up with chores when you were little? I don't remember any chores except one. And it's probably one that I think filters down to most of us, taking the trash out, right? You guys knew that, right? Taking the trash out. Well, when we lived up in Hollywood, I know I'm going to make it sound like our driveway was a mile long. It's probably about 100 feet. But the trash cans were up behind the garage, and it was dark there. And then you would have to drag them down the driveway to the street. And this was before recycling, okay? This is before we cared about the planet or anything. This is when we just had a, They had no wheels. I don't know why. And so you would just drag the trash cans down there. We had plastic ones. The, there were people who had the metal ones, and those made a lot of noise, right? And you would drag them. Some people had dollies to take it, but we didn't. So we would just drag the trash cans down. Now... I don't remember what day of the week the trash went down. It was like a Tuesday or something. But, you know, I did not take the trash down until it was dark that evening. In other words, I put it off as long as I could because procrastination was going to be a gift of mine to the world, right? And so I would wait until it was bedtime, 10 o'clock, whatever time it was, and then I would have to go outside into the dark, behind the garage, behind the fence, climb up the steps to the ivy, and then start taking the multiple trash cans down. And I believe it took a couple of trips. Now, in my mind... The darkness is where serial killers hide, (laughs) especially at that age. I wouldn't say I was afraid of the dark. I just liked the light, okay? If someone was there, I'd like to see who they were before they killed me. And so I would go up there, and, you know, I'm going up there pretty cool. Mom or dad would say, hey, take the trash can. Okay. I'd go outside the door like nothing was happening, but then I knew my life was in danger at this point. I had to go where any murderer could hide out, stalk me, and wait, because they knew it was trash day as well. And, And so I would go out there, and I'd be nonchalant. I'd grab the cans, and then I would just book it down the driveway, carrying these cans as fast as I could, running. I mean, if there was an Olympic event for taking trash cans down to the driveway curb, I would have won, hands down. I'd go running down... And I'd get down there and everything's cool, okay. And I'd walk back because people are seeing me. I wanted to look like I'm okay. I'd get back down and do the same thing. And when I was finally, I would run so fast to get back into the house because that darkness, it was just something was looming there. And I, man, if I could have timed myself from the curb to my house to get inside, I could have won some kind of medal because I was so panicked and and. That story really has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I just liked it. No. I think many times that our lives in our life of faith is like that. We're, we're frantic and then we're okay. There's some times where my faith is strong and I feel like I'm just, I've got it together and I'm trusting God and everything's going well and an event can happen, something can happen and my knees just buckle and I just crumble under the pressure and all of a sudden I'm crying out to God. I'm like, what's going on? Why is this happening? What do you want me to do? And I start to panic and this kind of panic attack can take over just like it happened to me when I was a kid taking the trash out where we start to wonder what is going on and you see what what Paul is wanting to do is he's wanting us to get some stability in our lives he's wanting our faith to look the same on Monday as it does on Sunday 
right? You guys all look nice and are happy and smiling here, but I know how it is sometimes come Monday morning, okay? Or even on your way here to church. We had four little ones and coming to church, it was nothing short of driving through hell to get to church. There were times when we were going to church in Pasadena and we lived out here and the kids would scream all the way to Pasadena. And then, you know, your hair just feels like it's all up on edge. You're just like sweats going down your back. Your wife and I are are not looking or talking at each other because all the words are just very short and quick and curt. You know, like, what? Nothing. Nothing. I just, nothing. You know, I don't even want to go there. Everything's fine. And then you get into church and, hi, how's it going? Oh, just fine. No, it's not fine. It's been terrible. I've been through 45 minutes of kids screaming. I just need a drink. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's only 10 in the morning. I know. (laughs) You just put on the facade. And what Paul's wanting to do is get stability in our life all the time. That my faith is the same in Christ whether it's here sitting down on a Sunday morning or whether it's driving to church with those screaming kids. He's wanting to develop that kind of stability to to be in that area. And so in, in verses 16 and 17, he tells us, look carefully then how you walk. In other words, be aware of what you're doing and how you're living. This walk talks about this movement. And then he tells us, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What does your everyday walk look like? What does your everyday life look like? Are you frantic depending on who's elected president? Are you so worried about what's in your bank account? Are you walking with Christ? come Monday through Saturday and not just on Sunday. Because how you spend your time is what's important. I was looking at this idea of relativity and I find it's amazing that that time is relative to the space and how people are perceiving it. And, you know, it's such a, abstract kind of idea, but there are certain examples where you see and it just starts to to make you wonder. Like you ever wonder when you're driving in a car and pouring coffee, how you can pour coffee at 50 miles an hour and it doesn't just flash all over you? You're driving 50 miles an hour, but you see the coffee is relative to the car that you're in. And so it's moving at 50 miles an hour, the same as you, same as the cup that you pour it into. So when you pour it, the coffee just goes where it's going because it's relative to the car. But if someone was standing watching the car, they would see coffee moving at 50 miles an hour being poured into a cup. I think that's cool. Or or what if you were a a pitcher and you were on the back of a, a big flatbed truck And you were able to throw a ball on that truck while the truck is driving 50 miles an hour. And if you could throw a ball 100 miles an hour, then you should have a job in the baseball, right? But if you could throw a ball 100 miles an hour, 
According to what's relative on that truck, that ball would be traveling 100 miles an hour. But if someone had a, a radar gun and was standing on the side of the road watching the truck drive by and you throw a ball at 100 miles, that ball would be going 150 miles an hour. But it's relative to what's happening on the truck. And this idea of relativity, it's just interesting how things appear one way, but it's relative to where you are and where you're living. Have you ever noticed that as you get older, time goes by quicker? Oh, yeah. To <laughs> like, tell me something I don't know. Why is that? What's going on? Or why, when you're waiting for that last five minutes at work, that clock is just dragging, right? It's like, it's like oh, you know, what's going on? But when it's something that you're wanting to do, it can go by really quick. And a lot of it depends on the state of mind that you're in. I was talking to Ben earlier this week, and he was telling me that when he was on the streets and doing drugs, and don't worry, I got his permission to talk about this, so it's not like you tell me something on some Sunday, I'm like, hey, Edward, you know what John said to me? <laughs> ben gave me permission. So... I was talking to Ben and he was saying when he was on the streets and when he was on drugs, how his life was just passing by, how months would go by. And it was like, what did I do for months? Where did my life go? What, what was that about? Because his life was just about these little things that occupied his entire life. And pretty soon it was consumed with that area. And time in relationship to the world that we're living in is very important. In fact, that's what he talks about when he says that we are to walk wise and not as unwise. How do we make the best of our time is what wisdom looks like. You see, wisdom is using the time that you have well. Wisdom is not about attaining the right information. It's about living well with the time that you have. And so as Paul is talking to us here and he's wanting us to understand how we walk, to be careful, to walk is wise, what does he mean? He says, make the most of the time that you have. Why? Because the world we're living in is evil. Now, things in some ways, are getting better. There is less extreme poverty today than there was 50 years ago, but there is a greater level who are at a, a lower level of life status than there were the same 50 years ago. So some things have gotten better, but some things are still struggling. Why is there a struggle? Because the days are evil. Because there are people who are always wanting to be greedy, always wanting to use other people. And so we are to walk in a way that brings this light of God into our lives and the lives of those around us. And the way we do it is being wise. And the way we are wise is with the time that we have. So that we make the most of that time, that we have the greatest effect on the lives and the people around us. Why? Because they need it. Because the days are evil, because there is this pull away from what is healthy and what is good to what is destructive and what is, again, for consuming. And we're supposed to be the people that makes the difference. 
And so how do we make the most of our time? We walk wise, not unwise. The wisdom is making the best of our time, time in relationship to the world that we're living in. Again, wisdom is not about information. It is about how we use our time to affect the life that we're living. Those who are wise are those who realize the value of time that you only have so much of it. And it's going by quick. And it's in relationship to the world that you're living in. And when you look back, what you will want more than anything else is that time. Wish I had more time with my kids. I wish I had more time with my wife. I wish I didn't waste all that time. And this is the place of opportunity. This is the place where wisdom shows up. Wisdom shows up in those who recognize the value of time. And that's where he's drawing us into, and he's pulling us into this place. Verse 17, he says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So the whole idea of being wise here is being aware of our time, but for what? It's being aware of what the will of the Lord is, the will of the Lord and what he is doing on earth. And what is that? Well, we saw that again in verse 1. Watch what God does. This is the will of the Lord. This is what he is doing. And what is God doing? Well, we have HD clarity of what God is doing in the person of Jesus. Right? It's like ultra D now or something. It's like 4K over 1080. It keeps getting clearer and clearer. Well, it doesn't get any clearer than Jesus. You want to know what the will of God is? You look at Jesus and he tells us again in those verse, what is God doing? Then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you, keep company with him, and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. I love that. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. You want to know what the will of the Lord is? It's what God is doing on the earth. And what he is doing is trying to make a new humanity, to make a new creation, reconciling all things to himself. Paul talked about that in chapter 2, where he is no longer the Jew and the Gentile, but it is one humanity in Christ. You see, Christ is trying to bring us into this relationship. That's what the will of God is. You see, that's what God cares about. He cares about the lives of people. He cares about the hearts, the souls of those who are around us. That is the will of God, is to be a part in drawing them to himself. And so if you want to be a part of the will of God, that's part of it. That's actually more important than all these other things that seem to steal our time and cause us to worry. There is something more and very important that God is doing that he wants us to be involved with will of the Lord. What is the will of the Lord? And then he takes this left turn that seems out of nowhere where he just all of a sudden says, and don't drink too much wine. It's like, what What was that about? Where did that come? We're talking about just walking in wisdom and understand the will of the Lord is, and don't get drunk with wine. 
because that's debauchery. That means that's not good. You get drunk, and then you start singing and dancing. Someone videos it and puts it online. Okay. But why does he go to this place? Why does he go to this area of drinking wine? Because it really has to do with the wisdom that he's trying to, to bring about. And it really has a lot to do with alcohol content. In a glass of wine, an average glass of wine, it's about 13.5% alcohol content for five ounces. I had to look this up. I don't just know this stuff, okay? Man, he's got some serious issues. Okay, and then if you have like a, a 16 ounce, a pint of beer, usually an average beer is like 5.5% alcohol content. And, and so because the alcohol content in a glass of wine is a higher content, it takes less to actually get the buzz, right? Unless you're drinking like a pint of double IPA that's got like 10%, then you'll feel the buzz right away. The whole idea here is that if there's a little alcohol content, it takes a lot more to get drunk. And at the time when this was written, alcohol content could vary between 5% to 20%. So it could start off really low because they would dilute it because they didn't have a lot of money and they wanted the wine. But to have a 5% content that was very common, it would take a lot of wine and a lot of time to get drunk. And there we go back to the area of time. And drinking was a place of where you would gather, unlike today. No, that was a joke. Um, I mean, how many microbreweries are popping up, right? How many bars are there? How many liquor stores are there just in Upland? I don't know. But the idea here is that there are people who will gather continually around alcohol. And it was the same back then. Paul is not putting a push, don't drink because drinking is bad. He's saying, don't spend your time just living for this, to drink and to hang out. Because when you get drunk, and it took a while for a person to get drunk with a 5% alcohol level with glasses of wine, don't spend all of your time just to get drunk. Why? Because it's a waste of your time. It's really not about the drinking, but it's about your life and the value and the time that you have. Because he says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. So don't get drunk. Don't spend all your time just getting drunk. Instead, spend your time getting filled. And just like it takes time for you to get drunk, it takes time for you to spend with God and get filled. Now, when he says filled with the Spirit, I don't know what your background is in church what he means is for you to stand and get a warm feeling all over. No, he doesn't mean that, okay? What he means is what he says right afterwards. It's really clear. He's not being cryptic here. He's telling us what is going on. Don't get drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Here it is, verse 19. 
addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for the everything to God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is how you're filled with the Spirit. It, it is by being together and doing and working the things of God. And he brings to a place this idea of community where you are together for a reason. You guys ever been to a karaoke place where people are singing? It's kind of fun, especially if people aren't good, all right? Because you'll go to a place and there'll be these people they are singing and there's a couple of places not that Karina and I frequent karaoke places, but there's been a few places where we've gone and people are singing. And there's like this one place where it was like older people singing, but some of them were really good. And it's like these people had chops back in the day and here's their chance to share them, right? And they're getting up there and they're singing these songs and everyone's like clapping. Their friends are all there and they're like, yeah, you got it. And there's this camaraderie around them because the singing does that to us. It, it pulls us in. We like this area of... Life where you hear music. They, they've done tests where people who are suffering with Alzheimer's and they can't remember their kids' names. They don't know what day it is. They, they're living in a place where they don't know and can't connect to anyone. And they start playing music from their generation and they come alive and they say, oh, I remember when I was at this place and this song came on. Oh, that's where my wife and I had our first dance. Her name was Dolores. And they all of a sudden it's like all these things come back into their mind just because the music is a memory of that that is rich to them. And, and so now Paul says that be filled with the Spirit. He's telling us to do this, addressing one another and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That it's about not just addressing God, but addressing one another. Now, it would be real uncomfortable if I had you look at each other and sing, okay? So I'm not going to do that, although I really would like to see you guys do it and I not have to be a part of it. And I don't think it's like, look at that other person and sing. But what it is, is come before God together and acknowledge these things about God. I was going to show a video, but I think we're going to wait on that just for time's sake, especially for the kids outside. But I do want us to enter into this kind of thought and thinking about what's taking place here and what he's He's pulling us in because we have such a solo Christian attitude in our society where it's about me and God. And so when we hear verses like, you know, he is the vine, you are the branches, we don't see that that you is plural. Or when he says, you are the light of the world, we, we take that very personal and it is, but it, it's really meant to be collective. And really, that's where Paul is pushing us here. He's pushing us to, to have this community experience where we recognize that you have something that someone needs. 
that you aren't coming here just to do karaoke. You're not coming here just to sing some songs. You are coming here to actually impart something to someone else. And we do that collectively, and we do that together as we we gather. We address one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, that I can encourage you through the things that we are singing and the things that we are saying. And I wonder if that happens or if we make room for that to happen or if we get so myopic that we just see I'm here at church to do the time to hear the songs, to hear Sam speak, and then to go home. And you don't realize that, no, you are not here for that, that wisdom is saying that the time spent here is an investment into the lives that are here and into your own life, that this is how the Spirit of God fills you and touches you and meets you. You see, there are times when things happen in our lives. You find out that someone you love is ill or someone is hurt or some kind of tragedy happens in your life and you become ultra aware of anything spiritual. You hear a song on the radio and it doesn't even have to be a quote Christian song. It could be the Beatles and all of a sudden you're crying or Taylor Swift more likely for me. Okay, (laughs) don't judge me. Okay. You hear a song and all of a sudden your heart is moved and you don't like, what's going on? What is happening to me? It's like you're sensitive. The, the nerve endings of your soul are bare and what you need is some salve to heal and to connect you to God. And that's what happens when we come here together. You see, I have received strength and healing from you in the times of my life. And I know you have as well. You've come up to me and you said, man, I can't tell you how much I needed that this morning. Well, we all need it. And this is the time where it happens. And if you don't show up, it doesn't happen to someone if you're not there to give it. This isn't about what I give to you. This is about what we give to each other. And we encourage each other even through the times that we sing. You see, because I know some of you and talk to some of you, I know some of the needs that are here. Maybe you don't know them. I might talk to someone and know what they're going through. A lot of us know what Terry is going through with the cancer that she has. And she had the PET scan on Thursday, but she's Thursday or Friday, but she's still waiting for the results. And so we know that. So, so we can come here and then you can hear a song. And if she's on your heart and on your mind, something happens where you actually start interceding for Terry, even as you're singing to the Lord. And all of a sudden you are now filled with the spirit. Why? Because you are partaking in this together. And this is what we need. We don't need to just get away and go have a good time and drink. What we need is to spend some time pouring our hearts out to God and addressing one another in these things. What I want to do is take a little time right now where we can actually do this. I'm going to have Randy come up. There you are. And before we sing these songs, I want to take some time and I just want to try and be honest with the needs that we have. 
See, when Paul says to be imitators of God and walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself for us, and he says, do this. How many of us need help doing that? How many of you got it aced? Oh, I'm doing that. Yeah, I've got it good. Because if you say yes, you're lying. You're struggling like all of us to do these things. That's why we get together to encourage each other, to remind each other of these things. And, and so if your faith is like me running to the house after taking the trash cans down, and right now maybe you're in a state of panic because of something that's happening at work or something that's happening at home, some kind of struggle that you're going through that's causing anxiety in your life, I want you to know that that's okay that you're human, and that happens. And it's not a sign of weakness to say, you know what, my faith sometimes is scary. It's sometimes alarming the lack of faith that I have. And you're saying, but you're the pastor. It's like, I'm sorry, but that's how it is sometimes. And if you're in a place where maybe that is the struggle of your life, what I'd like for you to do is be honest and stand with me. And just say, I I am having some hard times right now. And I really want to acknowledge that before God. And what I want to do is as we start to sing this song, I want to be able to release this to God and give of my heart to him in this area of struggle. If there's anyone who's struggling in that area, stand up. Don't feel ashamed. I just want you to feel comfortable in that. No one's going to judge you. If any of you are hurting for someone in your life, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a friend, but you're in turmoil because of what is happening in their life and you just wish you could intervene, but it's beyond your ability. If that's you, would you stand up? I think I could keep going till all of us are standing, but what I want you to see is there is a need that someone has who's next to you. And what that need is, is the same need that you have. And what we are doing is we are crying out together for God to fill our lives and to meet the needs that are beyond our ability. And we're asking that God would make us like Christ, that we would love the way he loves, that it would be extravagant, that it would be life changing, that it would be empowering. And to do that, we need to be empowered by him. And so in this place of need, not just for you, but for the people who are standing near you, we are going to sing to God who we believe meets the needs And let's allow this time to be rich because we are calling on the name of the one who hears and answers and works within these situations. So let's sing together. Father, you see the needs that are here this morning, Father, and you know the struggles that are here. They're no secret to you, Father, and Lord, we are people who need your strength. We are people who 
struggle in so many different areas, yet you've called us to be like you. And I pray, Father, that you would empower us as we encourage not only ourselves but others. Lord, might we take your words to heart and allow them to shape and empower us. Watch what God does, then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He did not love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Lord, may you empower us to love like that. Be with your people. May our hearts be open to you and to one another with all that you desire to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.